Hey, good afternoon to you. It's Triple H, 100.1 FM. This program is called Rotary Matters and my name is Ian Stewart and it's uh, a great pleasure to be with you again. Look, uh, regular listeners to this program will know that the Bobbin Head Cycle Classic, sometimes known as the Bobbo, was scheduled to take place uh, this weekend, in fact in a couple of days' time. Now, the Bobbo is owned by four local Rotary clubs, involves thousands of cyclists and volunteers and is a major fundraiser for Lifeline and other charities. Now normally um, a fine day we have lots of joy, camaraderie, goodwill, fresh air, exercise and with a lasting positive result. However this year with the dreadful rain that we've been having just recently a decision was taken just last night to postpone the Bobbo until Sunday 18 September. This was, of course, in the interest of rider safety and to provide time for the many, many dangerous potholes along the course to be filled in. And, of course, there have been landslides recently along some of the route as well. Much disappointment, as you can imagine, but better safe than sorry. As the Lifeline CEO said last night, we're in the business of saving lives and not putting them in danger. Having said that, there is some good news about cycling, uh, much of it contained in a report that came out last year commissioned by We Ride Australia uh, and researched by leading professional services firm EY, also known as Ernst & Young. Now, what they did was an intensive survey of the industry to find out who rides, what they ride, where they ride, what they spend on cycling and the impact of cycling on regional economies. Valuable and very readable research for anyone with an interest in cycling, its needs and the benefits for all concerned. So today on Rotary Matters we're going to be meeting Matt Colston from EY to tell us more. Now, just in case you're joining us for the first time, let me give you the elevator pitch about Rotary. Underpinning the whole global movement, and it is worldwide, is the core concept of putting service above self. And its uh, stories about these extraordinary, generous and heartwarming acts of service that form the basis of this weekly program, Rotary Matters. So each week uh, we bring you an interview to explain and to provide insight into a specific Rotary cause or project. We could be hearing from an Australian building a school in Nepal or an Australian running an orphanage in Kenya. It's quite diverse. Uh, Close to home we could be focusing on running a food bank in suburban Sydney removing graffiti, starting a community garden, providing learning resources for schools, or helping women suffering domestic abuse. Now around the world there are 1.2 million members and 36,000 Rotary Clubs in 220 countries. Here in Australia there are 26,000 Rotarians and 1,100 clubs. And it's in the clubs uh, where you'll find the beating heart of Rotary, ordinary and extraordinary men and women of all ages who want to make a difference focusing on local prob- problems, youth programs, supporting international aid pro- projects and tackling health challenges like polio and malaria. It's been said that Rotarians dig wells from which they'll never drink, uh, restore eyesight for those they'll never see, they build houses in which they'll never live, vaccinate children they'll never meet, educate children they'll never know and feed hungry children regardless of colour, race or politics. 
So in Rotary Matters, that's this program, we bring you interviews which delve into some of these challenges and along the way we meet some inspirational Rotarians and their beneficiaries. So today we're learning about the impact of cycling on the economy. Uh, this is in the wake of the Bobbin Head Cycle Classic, also known as the Bobbo, which is hosted by Rotary Clubs, but it's now been rescheduled to Sunday the 18th of uh, September. So um, let's begin with the um, interview that I had uh, just yesterday with Matt Colston. Matt is an associate partner of EY Asia Pacific and their leader on sports and events and venues. And I, um, I, spoke, uh, I spoke with Matt uh, just uh, yesterday afternoon on Zoom. Well, Matt, very good afternoon to you. Thank you for taking time to talk with us on uh, Rotary Matters today. Um, last year was published a very interesting and very important uh, report um, it was published by We Ride Australia, but it was your company that was commissioned to uh, put it all together, and it came out with some interesting findings. So, Matt Colston, tell us, if you would, give us an idea, who is riding these days and what sort of age are they in? Yeah, so we were, um, as you said, we were engaged by We Ride Australia. Uh, my team put together the report. Um, it was something that um, was developed over uh, about a 10-month period, um, so a huge amount of sort of um, research and data collection over that, that period. Um, some really interesting findings in that report just on the, I guess, on the, the broad value of the industry, um, which was about uh, $6.3 billion, I think it was, that, that was that was quoted, and it employs you know, 34,000 odd jobs, so a, a really important uh, industry. Um, and, you know, I guess interestingly through the process and part of the research yeah, we identified people's spending patterns in cycling. Um, yeah, the the number of people in Australia that actually cycle. So, you know, like twenty nine percent of the adult population actually spent money on cycling, which is a, enormous when you you think of that context. Um, so it's nearly a, a third of the adult population. So, um, and that spending, I think it was look, it was on average about close to a thousand dollars per person that spent money uh, per year on on cycling, and that ranged from whether it be bike purchases, um, cycling retail, uh, so cycling tourism was very high. Um, yeah, obviously equipment, accessories, repairs, those sorts of things. So, um, you know, a broad spectrum of, of spending across the, the industry and, and associated industry. So, yeah, it was, it was very comprehensive, um, uh, involved a lot of the stakeholders in the industry providing information. So it was, it was quite extensive. Did, did you get a feel, Matt, of the age group of people that are riding? Has that um, changed at all? Oh, look, I, I think certainly COVID has, has changed. Um, yeah, we, when we did the, the study, we collected data from both pre and post COVID periods. Right. Um, and certainly, you know, you, um, there has been a bit of a shift um, in, in you know, the both the number of people um, and the type of people that are that are cycling, which has been yeah. Obviously, some good things have come out of COVID, and that's certainly one of them. And if you, you know, around your communities, you'll see you know, families getting back into cycling together as a family right. and using it as an activity, um, which has been, you know, particularly in those states. I mean, based in Victoria, we uh, we suffered through you know fairly long lockdowns, um, and, and cycling and you know that exercise was was really important through that period, and and uh, you know we saw you know huge uptake of cycling and cycling product during that period to a point where you know a lot of the retailers and we and, and we've seen this through the research a lot of the retailers were and wholesalers were, were completely out of stock 
Um, so it was quite phenomenal that that drive during the during the COVID period. So, uh, are children riding more? Were there a high percentage of bikes sold for kids? Yeah. So look, I think it was around a third of the purchases were were for for bikes for children. Um, mm-hmm. So again, very positive um, data that's suggesting that you know it, it is an activity that's not only undertaken by by children but but by um, adults as well. So. Um, and, and no doubt that uh, again that that COVID period has, has certainly helped in, in driving that that increase. Well, hopefully the the children have now started to ride will carry it on throughout the rest of their lives and and grow the number of cyclists <laughs> in the community. <laughs> oh, look, it is, and you know I, I speak personally. Um, I, I do come from an elite cycling background, but um, you know my son, I've got a twelve year old son um, who wasn't really big on cycling to be honest before uh, before covid um yeah but yeah him and his group of his mates you know during covid on a daily basis would get out together as a as a group and and ride and they're still doing that now so you know um i'd suggest that you know prior to covid that that wouldn't have been happening because their lives were so structured and um that that covid period gave them a bit of flexibility in their timing and um and they've now carried that through and and, and still ride you know right um, number of times per week with with a group of friends so it's it's really exciting to see. Matt you mentioned a moment ago that the economic impact was around 6.3 billion dollars and that the average spend on cycling in the period that you surveyed was around a thousand dollars a head. How many bikes roughly are sold? Any any idea in the course of a year? Yeah it's approaching uh, it's approaching about a million bikes. A million bikes right. Yeah um, so it's a, it's a lot of bikes. Um, I think that's more than, seeing, more than cars. Uh, I think you're right. I think for the, I think that surpassed cars for the first time a couple of years ago. So, <laughs> which is great to see, and people getting out, getting active, and also saving the environment at the same time. So it's it's good, it's good to see. So um, about a thousand dollars spent of that. What percentage? What? How much of that would be for the bike, and how much for helmets and accessories and other bits and pieces? Yeah. So of that, it's about. Um, from memory, if I look at the, it's, it's about 50 to 60% of the purchases on you know, the actual bike purchase, on the bike, yeah. um, remaining on the accessories and the like. Um, and again, as I mentioned earlier, I think, you know, the, particularly on the you know, bike tourism side, um, it's a big element of spend. Um, so again, those things that have um, flow on impacts to particularly around the regional areas um, yeah. that host events like the Bobo and um, you know, a number of other sort of, you know, whether it be mountain bike uh, parks and those um, types of facilities that tend to be uh, in the sort of regional areas of Australia. So uh, it's it's great to see that tourism side as well. So, Matt, your uh, Cycling and the Economy report, which was published last year, did you look at all at e-bikes? Because I'm seeing more and more e-bikes around the community. Did you pick up any stats around that at all? Yeah, we did. Um, certainly when we looked at the stats, uh, you know, which is coming up to sort of a year, year and a half old now, um, I, I think of the, the roughly the million, it was about 50-odd thousand uh, e-bikes um, out of that that um, that spend. Uh, but certainly, yeah, that's certainly a growing uh, element of, the, of the, the sector, so... Well, I know that in my community up here in Sydney, Matt, um, the retailers selling e-bikes are very short of stock because the demand yeah. is, is so is so so, so strong. Um, you mentioned the impact on regional economies. 
um, the impact that cycling can have on tourism. What's going to stimulate more of that, do you think? Is it infrastructure or is it the growth in the number of bikes? Or any thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, one of the questions that we, we also uh, explored in the study was around barriers to, um, to doing more cycling. Uh, infrastructure was by far the, the biggest barrier. Um, infrastructure and also safety. So, um, yeah, those two things um, certainly, um, particularly when you're looking at also city areas around you know, um, safety uh, and commuting and the like. So, you know, making people feel safe on the roads, um, you know, is certainly um, you know a big a big barrier to to people riding more. Well, listeners, if you want to find out more about this subject, just Google cycling and the economy report. It'll take you through to the report, which is all available online. You don't have to pay for it. The key findings are all there. And, and Matt, I congratulate you and your team for having published something that's very timely and um, I think gives us all a lot of hope for, for the future. So that's uh, Matt Colston there from EY, who one FM. The program is Rotary Matters. And today we're focusing on a report which was published last year on the value of cycling to the economy. It was produced by leading professional services firm EY, a.k.a. Ernst Young, very well known around the world for their work in audit, accounting, taxation, mergers, acquisitions, and their advisory services, which include sports, events, and venues. And I spoke uh, yesterday with Matt Colston, who heads up this area for the firm, to find out a bit more about what goes on uh, within the company to support health and um, healthy initiatives. I want to ask a little bit about your own firm, if I may. EY used to be known as Ernst & Young, but more popularly now known as EY, um, a professional services firm. Um, Just uh, sketch for us, if you would, the main uh, repertoire of services that um, your customers come for. Yeah, so we, I mean, we've been around for over 100 years, I think, um, the firm, and and it's grown significantly over that period. So we now globally, uh, we employ about 350,000 people. So um, it's it's a huge firm globally. I think in Oceania, uh, which is sort of my uh, key area, uh, there's about 3,500 people that we employ. So um, a big employer across uh, across the industry. Um, As I said, my area of focus, I head up our sports events and venues practice here. So we do a lot of work in the major event and sports space, um, which is a quite a niche, a niche offering for, for a you know, professional um, services firm. Um, you know, but our core services uh, across the sector, you know, you're looking at you know, the assurance, you know, see the audit side. Um, we have a law practice, um, a consulting um, strategy, tax, transaction. So it's a fairly broad offering um, across a professional services firm. And as you, as you said, your fo- personal focus is on sports, events and venues. Uh, no surprise, given your own background. I think I read that you were a, an, a, a triathlete at a, at a high level at one stage. Yeah, I was, yes. I'm like a uh, triathlete. And I, then I sort of crossed over to cycling in my, in my later years. So, um, yeah, <laughs> passion, passion for cycling and, uh, and still ride quite a bit. So it's, um, it's, it's one of those things that stays with you for life. Good for you. And... Um, uh, is, does EY have a policy internally of, of encouraging its staff to uh, allow some time for fitness? I mean, do you provide end-of-trip facilities, for example, at some of your um, uh, offices? Yeah, look, we do. Um, and look, you know, I've been at EY for 25-plus years um, and they're actually, you know, 
very supportive of me as, a, as an athlete, giving me time off to train and travel and the like. And, and that's, you know, that's carried through over the years to, you know, to the broader staff and, and getting people focused on, on being not only physically active, but, you know, mentally as well. So getting that, the mental health side of things, um, you know, it's, it's a really important um, part of, of what we do at EY, um, you know, looking after our, uh, our staff, you know, from a whole, holistic approach um, for that health, health and wellbeing. Good, good. And, and I mean, you can see the benefit. I mean, not, not personally and amongst your own uh, colleagues and staff at the firm of this very positive a- approach to keeping fit. Yeah. And look, we, you know, we have a number of activities. Uh, we have flexible working arrangements, for example. So, you know, if people um, do want to take some time in the morning to train um, and come in a little bit late, or likewise leave early and, and, and train and exercise, we have that flexibility in our people. Um, so it, it's it's one of the, the key things that we offer to our staff around that flexible working time. So, Excellent, excellent. Well, we're talking to Matt Colston from EY, uh, a firm that has um, uh, got behind the Bobbo this year and has in the past as well. We really appreciate your support, Matt, and um, we wish you all the best in, uh, in your endeavours and look forward to catching up with you and your colleagues on Sunday at the Bobbo here in Sydney. Thank you very much indeed. Thanks, Anna. Good luck with the, uh, with the event. So that was Matt Colston. As I mentioned at the beginning, the event itself has sadly had to be postponed. Uh, this decision was taken last night following that conversation with uh, Matt. Uh, the new date for the Bobbo, the Bobbin Head Cycle Classic, is Sunday the 18th of September. It'll run the same route. It will be organised by the same people. It'll serve the same community purpose, principally to raise funds for Lifeline and other selected charities. Look, I hope 